So let's hear now God's word from Genesis chapter 13, beginning in verse 1, and we'll read the, the entire chapter. So Abram went up from Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the Negev. Now Abram was very rich in livestock and silver and in gold, and he journeyed on from the Negev as far as Bethel to the place where the, his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai, to the place where he had made an altar at the first. And there Abram called upon the name of the Lord, and Lot, who went with him with Abram, also had flocks and herds and tents, so that the land could not support both of them dwelling together, for their possessions were so great that they could not dwell together. And there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. At that time, the Canaanites and the Perizzites were dwelling in the land. Then Abram said to Lot, Let there be no strife between you and me, and between your herdsmen and my herdsmen, for we are kinsmen. Is not the whole land before you? Separate yourself from me. If you take the left hand, then I will go to the right, or if you take the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and saw that the Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt and the direction of Zor. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself all the Jordan Valley, and Lot journeyed east. Thus he separated from, they separated from each other. Abram settled in the land of Canaan, while Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom. Now the men of Sodom were wicked great sinners against the Lord. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had separated from him, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northwards and southwards and eastwards and westwards. For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring also can be counted. Arise, walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I will give it to you. So Abram moved his tent and came and settled by the oaks of Mamre, which are at Hebron. And there he built an altar to the Lord. Amen. The grass withers, the flower fades. The word of our God stands forevermore. Uh, there's a, uh, an old episode of, of The Simpsons, which I do apologize for starting with this, but some of you know I, I, I am a fan. Uh, but there, there's this episode where Homer uh, gets a self-help book. He wants to improve his life. Uh, and so this book is full of all the, the tips and tricks that he needs to be uh, his best self. And so he opens up the book, and, and the first tip for, for a successful life is live each day as if it's your last. And so then it, it, the scene cuts to Homer uh, sitting on a street corner crying, oh, I don't want to die. <laughs> you see, Homer misses the point, doesn't he? Uh, even if his response is brilliant and closer to actually how we should uh, think about uh, this fairly cliche advice. But, but Abram, him, Abram's nephew, Lot, uh, actually shows us what, what it, this, this advice looks like uh, when played out in real life, what it's meant to lead to. It's a, a desire to, to take hold of and, and grasp the, the things the world has to offer us, to go out and to, to claim the very best for ourselves because life is, is too short for us to, to accept second best, isn't it? If this is all there is, and we may uh, die tomorrow or, or even tonight, then, then grab whatever you can, right? Live each day as if it's your last. And what we're meant to see this morning is an, an incredible contrast 
between uh, Abram and Lot. If you recall last week, uh, again, Abram went down uh, to, to Egypt with his household to, to escape a famine in the land. Uh, God, God had led him out to this land. Uh, he didn't consult God before he went down to Egypt. Uh, and so uh, he ends up in, in serious trouble. He lies to, to the Egyptian officials uh, in order to protect himself from, from possibly getting uh, killed uh, and Sarah, his wife, taken. Uh, in the end, God brings him out, as we hear in, in verse 1 this morning. Now here they all are, back in, in the promised land, but there's a problem, isn't there? Uh, it's a problem that most of us don't really think is a problem. But Abram and his nephew were filthy, stinking rich. <laughs> They had so much wealth. Some of it was even the Egyptians, as we, if you recall last week. But, but the point is, they, they have so much that the, the land can't support them. They have too much livestock. Uh, the, they, they have too much gold and silver. And their, their households start, start arguing with each other uh, over you know, who has the right to this space or to this well or to this field. But one thing we see here uh, is is that Abram's faith is actually growing, isn't it? Because rather than simply coming up with a solution to the, the problem that, that he and Lot have, uh, he first seeks the Lord, doesn't he? Uh, in verse 4, which is a change from, from last week. And it's, it's important to, to remember that, that Abram was uh, the senior figure in the family. And, and in a patriarchal society, uh, that was important. In fact, in a patriarchal society, that's about all that matters, was, was where you ranked in the family. And so Abram had the right to decide uh, how, to, how to separate, how to, dis- how to, to divide up the, the land, and, and so he had the right to take the very, the very best for himself. But that's not what Abram does, is it? Rather, he gives Lot the choice. And this is where we begin to see the, the contrast between, between these two men. And this will be our two points this morning. In Lot, we see the, the live-for-today life played out. And Abram shows us the life that, that seeks to live for eternity. So first, let's see the, the live-for-today life or mentality. Abram says to his, neighbor, to his nephew, uh, you, you make the choice. Where, where do you wish to settle? And, and uh, we see in verse 10, uh, or we hear that, that Lot lifted up his eyes and saw all the land laid out before him, didn't he? But the irony is that, that Lot didn't actually see the, the full picture. He saw all the advantages, didn't he? The Jordan Valley was well watered everywhere, like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt in the direction of Zor. But what Lot failed to notice was the great risks that surrounded him in that valley. Lot settled among the cities of the valley and moved his tent as far as Sodom, verse 12, verse 13. Now the men of Sodom were wicked great sinners against the Lord. Now if you don't know the whole story of Lot or how it ends, then I won't spoil it for you, but but we'll get a small picture next week, a brief glimpse uh, at some of the trouble that Lot finds himself in. This morning I simply want us to see how easy it is to to be drawn into the promises of this world when we're living for today. Now, unlike Abram, we don't, we don't see Lot calling upon the Lord God for wisdom and how to decide the best place for him and his own growing household. He doesn't seem concerned, does he, with, 
with how to, to steward the blessings that God had given him. He simply wanted to, to increase them. And the part of the country that's best suited for that purpose. Lot was not concerned for who his neighbors were. Even though it was well known that there was, was a great wickedness committed in the land of Sodom. Despite that, that knowledge, Lot, Lot chose to live close to Sodom anyway. You know, we might look at Lot as a bit naive. Maybe he lacked, uh, maybe he wasn't sensible. But I think those are, are kind of polite ways of, of saying that, that he had no interest in actually seeing the world for how it is. Lot's primary concern was with how to get the most out of life, how to, to increase his wealth, how to, to live with, with maximum ease. You know, it's, it's much easier down in the valleys where the, the water flows to, to water your herds and the, the grass grows and so, to, so you can feed them easily. He was, he was interested in his ease. Does that sound familiar at all? You know, it's funny how the Middle Bronze Age starts to feel uh, a lot like the modern 21st century, doesn't it? The simple desires, the, the driving forces of our lives are, are very much the same as they were millennia ago. And here's, here's the interesting thing about, about Lot that Lot reveals to us. What Lot shows us is, is that being religious doesn't actually help you. Being a religious person doesn't help. In fact, being religious does nothing for you. Same with, with being spiritual but not religious. Lot had been part of Abram's household, hadn't he? He, was, uh, he went with his uncle when, when he left Haran, and he had uh, gone down to Egypt uh, with him. Abram would certainly have told him about the promises of God. He would have been present at, at all the times that, that Abram uh, had, had built altars to, to worship God. He had seen him making those sacrifices. It doesn't seem to have registered at all, does it? Lot shows us that, that the things we, we truly value always come to the surface and the, and the choices and the decisions that we make in life. If we take last week and, and this week together, then actually what we should see is that there, there really are no small decisions in life, are there? That every, every one of them impacts on not only uh, our earthly trajectory, but also on our, our spiritual well-being and eternal security. This is really big for us to get, actually. It's really easy for us to, to make and justify decisions based on what's in, in front of us when we look up and look out at the world. But the calling of the gospel is, is actually to first seek the Lord, isn't it? To look all the way up. To know our hearts. And then to look a bit closer at, at the world and understand it more deeply. And there's so many ways that this applies to us, aren't there? You know, young people, who you marry matters. Christ wants you to marry a, 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 if you're a Christian, Christ wants you to marry a Christian. And he doesn't want you to marry just simply a, a cultural Christian, someone in, in name only, someone who, who hangs around it, kind of like Lot. He wants you to marry someone who, who's passionate about honoring him with their whole heart. He wants you to, to trust that he can, he can bring that person into your life. He wants you to, to wait for that person. He wants you to marry someone who makes decisions based on, on his word, and not what's going to get you a bigger house or a nice holiday. These decisions in life matter. Where you live and what you do for, for a living matters, doesn't it? 
It matters to God, and it should matter to us. These aren't, aren't purely business decisions, are they? Uh, I've known plenty of people who, who got married, who've, who've had a few kids, uh, and they would love to get out of London. You know, they'd love to get out to Surrey or, or Hampshire or some other place with a, a nicer sounding name than like Shoreditch or, you know, uh, wow. But, but, you know, they, they, they'd love to go out to these places and, and get a, a four-bedroom home and a, a nice garden uh, and have great schools for the kids. You know, most of us get to that point. Most of you will at some point in your lives get to that point. I've known a few people, though, who, who look, looked up to the Lord and they decided that, they're, that, that those things are great, but they felt called to, to stay uh, among the neighbors where, that, that they've known for, for years and, and who they've been sh- trying to share the gospel with. Uh, they've de- they decided that they'd rather continue to serve and support the, the local church that they've been, been a part of. And so they start stacking up the kids. And that works. It does, trust me. Ask, oh, they, they turned out all right. <laughs> Yeah, but I'm, I'm not, and I'm not saying that's the right decision for every one of us. It certainly isn't, and that's not necessarily the the only decision decision that that a Christian should make. But it's it's certainly a question we should be asking when we get to that stage in life. And I don't mean asking ourselves, but asking the Lord, because what Lot shows us is is the danger in simply acting out of what, in an earthly way, appears to be the smart decision and the right decision. There's always a danger uh, in, in taking hold of, of what on the surface seems to be good, but without taking into account what the Lord might be calling us to and missing some of the greater dangers that surround us because they're everywhere. And by contrast, we see Abram do in our, our second point what, what Lot failed to do, and that is look to the Lord. And because he, he chose to, to live for eternity, we, we see in Abram uh, a very different outcome, don't we? And this is what we see in our second point, the live for eternity life. Uh, I want to keep this point fairly simple. Um, I have a few subpoints that I've lifted from, from Dale Ralph Davis, a, a commentator that I've mentioned a few times. But what I want to suggest to us is that uh, far too often in the Christian life, we view the Christian life as, as those things that we have to give up. And we tend to, to focus on, on things and, and think of them as, as, as things we're missing out on or things that we have to sacrifice to follow Christ. Have you ever noticed that? You know, it feels like a real sacrifice to, to wait to, until marriage for sex. Uh, it feels like a real sacrifice to, to prioritize the Lord's day. I mean, that's, that's a whole day, isn't it? It's a day that we could be getting our nails done or... Or, or playing football, or going to the pub and watching other people play football. There's so many things we could fill. We could we could be having brunch right now. Oh, brunch is awful. You made the right choice, folks. But but, but you know it, it feels like a sacrifice, though, doesn't it? And to to give up these things, it feels like a sacrifice to to not get to watch all the things on the telly that that everybody's talking about. There's so many things that feel like they they cost so much. And the reason is because we forget. We forget ourselves. We forget who we are and who we're, we're meant to be. We're, we're more than temporary flesh and bone. We are eternal. God created us to, to live forever, to, to be present with him. 
He made us for himself to worship him and to glorify him. See, all these worldly things and earthly things feel like like painful sacrifices because our hearts have been so twisted by sin that that we don't know who we are anymore. That's that's what happened to Lot, isn't it? He he, he simply took hold of the, the earthly things. But Abram gives us hope. Because what we see in, in Abram is, is he, he makes the hard decision. He, he uh, is willing to, to give up the, the earthly security. But what we see in him is, is, is that he reveals to us some of the, the benefits and the privileges we enjoy in this life for, for following the Lord God by faith in Christ. And there's four that I want us to see here. First, we see that we can enjoy the freedom of allowing the providence of God to work in our lives. We see that in verses 8 and 9, don't we? Abram, uh, Abram didn't have to assert himself. He didn't have to take a, a strong stand. He actually was willing to and able to, to give up some of, his, some of his cultural rights to his nephew. He didn't have to go claim the best for himself. He could actually let him, his nephew choose because he knew that, that God would provide and care for him no matter where he ended up. It's a lesson that he learned the hard way uh, last week in Egypt when he tried to, to take hold of earthly security for himself uh, through his own, his own decisions and ingenuity. And one of the things that we see in, in uh, Lot and Abram in, in this episode is, is actually the, the providence of God separating them from one another, it's something that God said He would have to uh, He would have to leave behind uh, Abram, his his father's household, and and this happens over time, and this is where we see the the end of that. But the question that that this episode brings up is, how do we know God's will and His providence? How do we how do we know when to make when to make the decision that that Abram made? On the on the one hand, you you seek Him out through prayer when you have a decision to make. Uh, you look at his word to determine if there's a, a direction that, that you should go in or one that, that you shouldn't go in because it's, it's clear that, that uh, the scripture warns us against it. But sometimes it's still not clear uh, after these things. And so you have to, to weigh the decision based on, on how are you best going to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. There's, there's principles, there's, but it's not always easy to make the right decision, which is why we have to, to always look to the Lord in, in prayer and trust that he's going to, by his providence, lead us. And so with that said, I really want to underline what, what providence means. Providence means that, that God is for you, and he's working on your behalf if you're, if you're in Christ. We saw an example last week of how, how Abram made a, a terrible decision. And God, through his providence, rescued him. And the point of providence is that uh, on your best days, you do the best you can. And on your average days, you, you look a bit more like, like Abram last week. But you know that, that you can never really be fully outside of God's ultimate will for you. Because he is a God who is for you and his sovereign over all things. Providence is God's way of, of uh, in this life and in this world, working for the good of those who love him. 
And we see that in Abram's life. We see that here, don't we? Abram prospered despite not taking the, the best for himself. And he managed to avoid the, the pitfalls of, of the better land because he was willing to, to trust God to, to lead and to provide. That's, that's a great privilege of, of being a child of God. We can trust him and rest in his hand of providence at work in our lives and our world. The second privilege that we see is, is that we have the privilege of living in the light of the promises of God. God takes Abram uh, through the land, doesn't he? And he, he expands on the, the promises he had uh, previously made to Abram in chapter 12. There he, he had promised Abram that his offspring would inherit the land. Here he promises the land to Abram himself in verse 15. And if his offspring, that his offspring would be greater in number than the dust of the earth, which, which sounds like incredible promises, doesn't it? Until you consider the God who made the promise. That's who Abram is trusting in. And he was confident that, that this God would deliver on his promises. And actually, you and I are better off than even Abram was. Because as part of his offspring, we have the promise of the, the resurrection from the dead in Christ. Through Christ's death and resurrection. We also have the promise of eternity with him. That this life and this world is, is not all that there is. When we look out like Lot, Lot looked out and he saw that this was all there is, so take the best. When we look out at the world, we can look at it and go, there's more to come in Christ. And we know that because Jesus himself promises us that, doesn't he? He says, in my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. When you look around at the, the crumbling heap that is our world, when we're told this is all there is, and you should live each day like it's your last, that, that, that doesn't do it for us, does it? You know, it, it can only cause us to, to either live only for ourselves and all but destroy ourselves little by little. Or it can cause us to, to grab all that we can get until it's gone. Or it can cause us to be the ones left out in the cold by the people grabbing. At the very least, it can cause incredible fear and tremendous anxiety in us. But Jesus says he has a place for us. A place that is so secure that, that nothing in this life, and, and not even death itself, can touch it or keep us from it. We can live life without fear like Abram because we're, we're even closer to that place, that, that heaven that he was when he first believed. And that's incredible, isn't it? The, the sacrifices we make for following God start to look smaller and smaller, don't they? in the, the light of eternity and the promises of God. Now the third thing we, we have is the, the privilege of enjoying a foretaste of the goodness of God. Did you see how Abram was, was walked by God all throughout the land? It almost certainly took uh, weeks, but, but God commanded him to, to walk the full length. He, he takes him up and, and uh, they have this this Lion King moment, you know, every everything you see will will be yours. And now he says, walk it. And so he walks the full length and breadth of the land to see uh, everything that would be his inheritance, everything that God was promising him. Could you could you imagine what that must have felt like for Abram? 
I mean, it's, it's the greatest walking holiday ever, right? I, you know, you, you go out and, 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 and everything that you see is, is ultimately going to be yours. That was the promise Abram had. Must have been overwhelming. You know, he gets up one morning and he starts walking. And he sees the place and then he, he gets up the next day and, and he keeps walking. And again, the next day and the next day and so on. And each day is a, is a small taste of the goodness and love and generosity of our great God. Each day a, a small testimony to his true character. Abram had lost the valley. Abram had lost the city. He'd lost Sodom. But what was that compared to the promise of God? What I want to suggest to us is that this isn't an unusual circumstance that Abram experienced. That God often gives us small reminders of, of his goodness uh, to us and his, his love for us. I think it's always lovely on, on Wednesday evenings when, uh, when we pray for one another. And, and every, every, every Wednesday, we, a few of us will, will give thanks, something that we can give thanks for. You know, some little goodness that we've seen in our lives from the Lord God. It's, it's a small taste for you and for us of God's goodness that his promises will be met. But we also get this morning an even even clearer foretaste of the promises here at the Lord's table. This this table to to my right is is not only a remembrance of what Christ has done for us, but it's it's a small foretaste of of the, the great table the Lord will lay out before his people in heaven at the marriage supper of the Lamb on the day of the resurrection. Like Abram, it... You know, Abram going out and, and seeing the land and being promised this land, and, and, and he could physically see it with his eyes, but it, it was full of other people, wasn't it? At this table, it's, it's just a little bit of bread. It's a small sip of the wine. But it's what it promises to us, the, the outer sign of the, of the inner seal, is that God has prepared a table before us in eternity. As we come to the table this morning, try and feel like Abram surveying the land of promise. Knowing that our God is a, a God who delivers on his future promises. And fourth and last, we have the privilege of, of worshiping our great God all our lives. What does Abram do in, in response to God's promises? He, he again builds an altar in verse 18 and he worships the Lord God there. This act of worship contained uh, so much in it. The sacrifice is a, a picture of the atonement for sin that would much later come in Christ that, that grants access to God for his people. And the privilege of worship is a, is a beautiful and wonderful and sacred thing. But let's not forget that it's also a, a restorative act in many ways. The God who made us for himself calls us through Christ to enter into his presence and to worship and glorify him for his righteous deeds and his kindness to us, both in this life and the life that is to come. See, you can live each day like, like it's your last, and you can be utterly lost and miserable and always trying to find that, that thing that will, will make you happy. And you may start in the valley that seems green and fruitful, but you'll always creep closer to Sodom, as we'll see in a few weeks' time. Or you can live the life of eternity, knowing that there's much more than, than simply the world that we see if we look to the promises of God. 
But when you find yourself in those promises and the, the joy of, of this life is that there's nothing we, we give up or sacrifice that God cannot fully restore and repay to us as he restores us to who he made us to be, his people, his beloved children, bought with a price out of his deep love for us and set apart to worship and glorify him all of our days. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we, we praise you that you are a God who, who calls us. You call us out of, uh, out of our comfort, out of uh, our security, out of our sin and, and darkness to enter into your promises to us fulfilled in Christ Jesus, our Savior. Father, we pray that you would help us to live in these promises each day, that we would uh, turn from from trusting in our own strength, our own cleverness, our own ingenuity and ability in order to, to live a life that is honoring and glorifying to you. Father, we pray that by your hand of providence you would lead us through this world safely, that we might enter into your kingdom where we will worship and glorify you for all eternity. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.